you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Let me say hello to all of you that are tuning in online. You're my favorite people. Come on, throw some hand clap emojis in the chat right now. It's so good to have you with us. Let me do a special shout out to some of our favorite people at our South Campus. If you're there, let me hear you scream right now. What's up, South Campus? And hello to those of you who are right here, the Studio Campus. Come on, make some noise. We're so glad that you're with us, man. I'm just telling you, God's going to do something awesome. And let me just tell you, you're here, and that makes me stoked. But listen, there are some of you who are watching online, and you're thinking, no, I'm going to stay online for the time being and just kind of baby step back into it. Man, listen, we will be here when you need us. We will be online when you need us. But there are some of you who are watching, and you're, you're not really sure what to think. And here's what I'd say. Give it a shot. Every space that we're meeting in is large enough for you to social distance at like 15 feet. You can triple mask up if you'd like. You can wear a hazmat suit. But here's what I wanted to say. Just give it a shot. Come check it out. Right here at our studio campus, there's space for you. At our south campus, we have outdoor options, indoor options. Here's what I know. When God's people gather, God's presence shows up. Can I get an amen from some studio folks today? And what we want to see God do is show up in our lives. And I want to challenge you. Take a step of faith. Give it a shot. And if it's not right, when you come and check it out, then we'll be here online for you no matter what. But go for it. And here's my other challenge to you. For those of you that are engaging by watching video, maybe you're on your device or you're on your television with YouTube or maybe you're in one of our campuses, hey, lean in and, and shout me down while I'm preaching. Come on. Hey, take some notes. Get out our app and and follow along. Take some notes. You want to engage. Pretend like it's just me and you today. And if I was having coffee and I'm saying something good, I expect you to go, amen, brother. So let's try that. Everybody say amen, brother. I'm, I'm excited. We are starting a brand new series today called Kingdom Come. Everybody say Kingdom Come. And I'm telling you, of all the series that we've ever done at the Movement Church, listen to me, you you need to make sure you lean in for every single moment of this series. Because there is something crazy happening in our world right now, and if we're not aware of what's taking place, we'll miss it, and then that craziness will become a part of our life. I don't know how many of you have kids. If you're here and you're watching, you're in the room and you have kids, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have ever been a child before? Raise your hand. Okay, so we can all relate. There, there is the, when, when, when you have kids, and my, my kids go to hang out with grandparents, especially when they were younger, after a day or two with grandma or grandpa, we would get our kids back and have to detox them. How many parents know what I'm talking about? They start whining and complaining. They start throwing fits and doing like the hand cross and the foot stomp. We don't do that in my house. They got away with a whole lot of things with grandma and grandpa that they don't get away with in my home. We have to detox them and remind them how things run around here. Listen, I'm not suggesting that being with grandma and grandpa is bad. I'm just saying it ain't who we are. Can I get an amen? And that's exactly what I'm seeing take place in our culture today. There are some things that have worked and woven its way pervasively into our culture. There, I am watching this counter-
counter-Christian worldview uh, make its way and emerge pervasively into Christianity. And we want to take this series and give that counter-Christian worldview an actual name. We want to give it a shape. I want to awaken us to the fullness of what is happening in our world so that we can be aware of what God wants to do. We're going to talk about this throughout this series. And, and one of the names for that would be Applied Postmodernism. And don't worry about it. We'll give you more insight as we go. But here's what I will challenge you. This series is going to be enlightening. It's going to awaken us. But I promise you it'll also be challenging. Because if you and I will lean in, I, I promise what you'll find is like myself, this counter-Christian worldview has actually woven into the way that I think and act as a follower of Jesus. So I wanna challenge you, lean fully in and be prepared because part of this will be difficult. And we're gonna hit on everything from sexuality to gender to race to politics and how this has pervasively woven its way into the fabric of our life. But here's the hope. The hope is Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. I love the NLT says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Somebody say transform you. Into a new person by, look at this, changing the way that you think. Why would God need to say to us that I want to transform you by changing the way that you think if we were thinking correctly all the time? The only reason God would say that to us is because sometimes we allow a counter-Christian thought process to weave its way into the way that you and I operate. And so I believe in this series, God's going to get our attention. He's going to awaken us to some things and challenge us to change some things. Listen, this is why. Look at how the verse says, Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look at me. Everybody in this room, everybody on the other side of the camera, you want to know God's will for your life. You pray for it. You fast for it. You believe. You journal about it. When songs come on, you sing and you're like, that is, God, I want to know your will for my life. And look at what he's saying. Let me transform you and change the way that you think. So let's lean in and see what God wants to do in this series. Can I get an amen? amen. Let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes everywhere you're at? And let's just ask God to do something awesome. God, we lean into you and we thank you that you're at work. And I just come against every lie and deceptive thought of the enemy who would try to distract and prohibit and keep us from being transformed into your likeness. And God, right now, I just pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to listen, the courage and the boldness to be open to all that you want to say or do. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's try that again. And everybody said, which just means I agree. And Pastor Kerry, you're looking really good tonight. So thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, I want to dive into this. I got a lot of things to talk to you about in a very short amount of time. And, and if we're going to unpack a counter-Christian culture, then we actually need to unpack a historical Christian 
worldview. So I wanna take a moment and unpack for you God's heart and intention for us as followers of Jesus. If you're listening or watching and you're not sure what it is that you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here in this room, if you're watching on the other side of the screen, then listen, I wanna challenge you. If you are a follower of Jesus, then what I'm about to unpack for you is God's plan for your life. So let's talk about this historical Christian worldview. All of us have a worldview. It's a narrative through which you currently see the world you are living in. It's an undercurrent which influences what you believe to be true in this world. We do a lot of travel. We have a campus in Southern Africa, and we do a lot of travel there. And as a result, I've been to multiple countries and had to take taxis in many different countries. And when you don't know the language, you know what I I, I turn to? Google Translate. And I, I tell Google what I need my taxi driver to know so I don't get lost in a foreign country, and Google Translate helps me out. Well, your worldview is the translation app running in your mind. It takes how you view the news and how you receive the information and how you respond to it. It's running all the time, whether you know it or not. It takes how you interact with your coworkers and it, t- it translates how you receive information from them and then how you respond. How you get into fights with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your spouse. It is based upon your world view. It's interpreting everything. It's, it's a narrative which you are allowing to interpret everything. But God has given us a biblical Christian worldview. And this is challenging today specifically in the world that we live in. And this worldview answers five questions that everyone is asking, whether or not they even realize it. And those five questions are this, who are we Why are we here? What is the problem? What is the solution? And what is our highest moral aim? Everything that you believe to be true stems from the answers to these questions. And I wanna unpack the historical Christian worldview tonight in about 20 minutes. Obviously, we could sit down for hours upon hours and do this, but just for 20 minutes, I wanna unpack this for you. And here's what I can encourage you with. Hey, lean in for a moment. Studio audience, lean in. South Campus, lean in. You don't have to agree with what I'm about to share with you. But what I'm about to share with you is the biblical perspective of a Christian worldview. And you and I don't have the luxury of picking and choosing what we like. And that's gonna be challenging about this series, but let me unpack this. Point number one, question number one, who am I? Everybody say, who am I? Well, we read this in Genesis chapter one. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. The answer, the biblical, historical, Christian, biblical response to our worldview to that question is this. We are created beings image bearers, and objects of God's holy love. Now this is important. You were created. Turn to somebody and say, you were created. Turn to your second choice and say, you were created. 
You were created, listen to me, you are not a product of some cosmic accident, some happenstance, some random occurrence that took place billions of years ago. You were created. You are not an accident. You were created for a purpose. Listen, which means your life is not your own. Now that's challenging for us today, isn't it? But you were created. And as a created being, listen, I don't get to choose creation. It was chosen for me. That is counterculture in our world today. I don't choose. I'm created. Now remember, some of this is going to be challenging for those of you that are watching, but this is a historical Christian world view. You are a created being. You are also an image bearer. In other words, you were created to represent him on earth. You were created to represent God on earth. Listen, representatives in the house of Senate were chosen by a state to represent that state and make laws accordingly. Well, listen, you are a representative of God on this earth. You're an image bearer, which is good news. Listen, you should be encouraged by that because God chose you specifically to be a representation of who he is. Is and you're objects of his holy love and unconditional love. He loves you just as you are, but far too much to let you stay the same. Listen, we say to the movement church all the time, we're a church full of jacked up people. Can I get an amen? And we're all a little bit jacked up. Some of you are a lot bit jacked up, but we're just working on getting better. Can I get an amen from some folks? Listen, we are objects of his holy love, and he wants to, listen, transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We are objects of his holy love. Listen, not his holy wrath, object of his holy love. Not, not objects of his, of his regulations and rules and do's and don'ts. We're objects of his holy love. And that should be good news for some of us today. His unconditional love. So who are you? You were created. You are a created being, an image bearer, and objects of his holy love. The second question, y'all doing good? Listen a little bit faster and I'll go a little bit faster. Here we go. Number two, why am I here? And this is a question that has been plaguing humanity for a long time, but let me tell you what the historical Christian worldview's answer to that question is. Is that we share spiritual authority with God and we are here to fulfill our unique purpose. That's an important component. Listen, you were created to share authority with God on this earth. We see this in Genesis 1.28 and in 2.15, Genesis 2.15, when God tells Adam and Eve that you have dominion over the earth. Listen, we live in a physical world, but there is a spiritual world as well. And you know that, listen, and what we understand according to Ephesians 6 is this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And God has given you authority on this earth. But also, he created you for a unique purpose. One of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Man, I love that. Masterpiece. Somebody watching, maybe somebody in this room, needs to be reminded that you're his masterpiece. Like a work of art. 
Like, like God took painstaking time and energy to create you intricately. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Look at this, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. A masterpiece is not a happenstance. Remember, you were created. And consider the intricacies of the human anatomy. There are 12 different systems at work in our body, 78 different organs, and a brain which keeps everything functioning while we sleep. Yet no one can rationally explain why women think the way they do. Can I get an amen? Because there's such uniqueness to each of us. Don't get mad at me, ladies. You know I'm right. Nobody knows. We, you don't even know. I'm in a house full of women. Estrogen wafts through my house. You don't even know what you're thinking. We don't understand it. These are the details and the intricacies that God created in an instance in you. In an instance. In a moment. And if God created us with these intricacies and complexities, then it stands to reason as a masterpiece, you have a unique purpose. And may I just suggest that our unique purpose is not to merely climb the corporate ladder or to pad a bank account or prep a 401k or to acquire more stuff or to live for the weekend or to live for leisure. May I suggest that not only do we share spiritual authority on this earth, but God created you for a unique purpose that goes beyond your wildest imagination. Question number three. So what is the problem? When was the last time you, you watched the news, or nobody watches the news, you scrolled and you saw the news on your iPhone? Or you saw somebody on Instagram that posted something that's loosely based on truth and you're like, oh my gosh, nobody does that, I know. I also don't know why I sounded like Mickey Mouse when I did that. <laughs> Anyways, when was the last time you watched the news? The craziness that's happened in this world, you think about the pain that you have walked through as an individual. Maybe you're here and you have been with someone when they were on the last leg of their life about to pass from this life to the next and that's an overwhelming pain or maybe you've experienced grief or maybe you're just going, man, this world seems overwhelmingly psychotic and we're just going, what is the problem? Well, the answer to that question is found in the scripture. The problem is sin. That is the problem. The genesis of all evil, all jealousy, all racism, all sickness, all famine, all pain, all suffering is sin. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to reject God's plan. That's why Drake wrote that song. And sin in its simplest form is choosing self-rule. I'm going to rule my life. I'm going to choose to do what I think is best. I choose and I've decided that I know better. Now, this might seem fundamental or simple, or why are we talking about sin? Because I just don't think that very many people realize that the problem in our world today is sin. We love to point the finger and blame everyone else, but the very truth of the matter is sin is the problem. It is the issue. 
In fact, I believe that, that the Christian, uh, the, the, the word of God, it illuminates this as humanity's problem. It is sin. The problem is not Democrats. The problem is not Republicans. It's libertarians. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the problem is not Trump. The problem is not white people. The problem is not minorities. The problem is sin. It also could be your mother-in-law, but we'll talk about that in another sermon. <laughs> the problem is we choose self-rule. Look at me. You choose self-rule. Sometimes you don't even realize it, but other times you do. There are times in your life where you just choose to do, choose to do what you want to do, even though you know it's contrary to the word of God. Listen, I'm talking to you, Christian. I'm not talking to the, the person who's watching or tuned in or in this room today that doesn't know God. I'm talking to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm talking to you. You, you choose self-rule. And then we have the audacity to look at other people like, what's your freaking problem? And we choose this on a regular basis. This is the fundamental problem with humanity. So may I just suggest that if over the course of the past year, you found yourself pointing the finger of blame at a people group, a political party, or an organization, you may have fallen prey to this counter-Christian culture. Can I say that again? May I just suggest that if over the course of the past year, you've pointed the finger of blame at a people group, a political party, or an organization, you may have fallen prey to this counter-Christian culture. And that's what the series is about. Because if we fall and pray to something that is not necessarily anti-Christian, in today's day and age, that, that would be horrible to say. You, you live your truth. Put out good vibes. Be good people. That's how I put it out, good vibes right there. Just kind of, I walk into Trader Joe's and I'm like, hey, what's up? I all you can people with good vibes. We point the finger of blame, we get upset, and we don't even realize that we have unintentionally or maybe subconsciously or maybe just because we've gotten lazy with our faith drifted into a counter-Christian worldview. I believe this is the biggest challenge facing humanity today. And this is challenging right now because the gospel is simultaneously inclusive and exclusive. Listen, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is simultaneously inclusive and exclusive. The Bible says that all have sinned. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. Turn to your other choice and say, no, but for real, you are. All have sinned and we fall short of the glory. And the Bible also goes on to give us good news that salvation is free. Turn to somebody next and say, you can be free. Salvation is free. And the scripture goes on to say, for all who believe. So we're sinners. God's given us the gift of salvation and it's free. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to eradicate my past. I don't have to join a church. I don't have to look like somebody, act like somebody. It is free if I believe 
in the historical Christian worldview of truth. And I think that's the hard point. The cameras don't even know where to go right now. Literally, the gospel of Jesus, the good news is free for all, listen, who believe in the historical Christian worldview of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Not through good vibes, not through a certain political party, not by believing that all people are good, all people are great, not by being a good individual, not by attending a church, not by making sure you recycle and you take care of your church. Listen, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And my friends, that is inclusive and exclusive, and that is uncomfortable. People don't like the sound of that. And as a result, the culture that we live in is trying to silence, not a people group, listen, not a people group, but the culture that we live in, listen, that some of you and us in this room have even allowed in our own life is trying to silence the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life, it's uncomfortable. Why? Because the culture that we live in chooses self-rule. Translation, I will live my truth. And the word of God is abundantly clear in its consequences of sin and the power of sin. And it's not asking, listen, it's not asking for your generation's opinion as to the validity or the relevancy of said truth. Can I say that again? The Bible is abundantly clear about sin and its consequences, and it is not asking your generation's opinion as to the validity or the relevancy of that truth. And I know that's challenging. But if we fail to see that as an actual problem, I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking to you right now. Then we fall into what the Proverbs says in chapter 14. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. You know, a few years back, quite a few now, Megan's grandfather, Megan's my wife, for those of you that don't know, was, had some health complications and went in to see a doctor and did tests and screens and scans and doing everything they could to try to figure out what the problem was with his body. And they, they, they found out and discovered that he had some heart issues. So they began to treat the heart issues, got him on medication, we're doing EKGs and the like, and we're treating it and doing everything they could and thought things were getting better until suddenly he died. And when he died, they realized the problem wasn't his heart, it was his gallbladder. And because his gallbladder wasn't being treated, it was slowly killing him. It cost him his life because they were treating the wrong issue. And I don't want that same spiritual death for you or for me. The issues of our world are sin issues, plain and simple. And let me just take a moment right now and talk to some of you who are on the other side of this screen. Maybe some of you who are in this room and there's still a sin issue in your life. There's a challenge going on with you in your world. And you just need to be reminded that there's hope. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that all of us are sinners, that we have sin in our life, but Jesus is the solution. Let me just take a moment right here, right now. 
and just give you an opportunity to begin the journey with him. You don't have to become a member of this church or get everything perfect in your life, but it's just simply about saying yes to Jesus. So do me a favor, everyone in this room, everyone on the other side of the screen, bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody moving, nobody looking around. But if you're here and you've not begun the journey with Jesus, right now is your moment. I'm gonna pray a prayer and I wanna challenge you. Just make the words of this prayer your own. Whether this is the first time you've made this decision or perhaps some of you have been running from God and right now is your moment to come running back to Him. Just make this prayer your own. Just say, dear God, I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose, but I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.